Welcome to Drinks at the Doll, episode 72, Theories About the Wanderer. You're listening to Drinks at the Doll, a podcast way station for Lost Girl fans. I'm your host, Stephanie. And I'm Chris. And sadly, Annie can't be with us this week. She had to spend some time with her family, so we're ho- we hope she's having fun doing that. But we do have a guest with us this week to talk about theories in regards to the Wanderer and Rainer and all of that business. And uh, most people probably know her as the Uber fan or Uber fanatic on uh, it's the Uber fan on Twitter, and then Save Our Sestras over on on Tumblr. But we're going to call you Mary Beth if that's okay. <laughs> That is perfectly fine. Uh, you know, the only line is, don't call me late for dinner, but you can call me anything else. So, <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, yeah, we're going to tackle all of these questions that I know people still have about the Rainer and about uh, the Rainer. <laughs> He's got a title now. Uh, the Wanderer and Rainer, because I feel like I've seen several new kind of theories popping up on the on the interwebs over the past several weeks. And I thought we would talk about it here on the podcast. I know we've talked about it previously in some episodes, but I thought we'd talk about it in a more concentrated way. It's hiatus madness. It is. It is. So I thought let's let's start out by just saying that, you know, I know this was something that a lot of people were very confused about because there were just so many inconsistencies in season four. And so I thought we'd start by going over and talking about those inconsistencies, I guess, through season three and four, because we first sort of get a glimpse of the Wanderer in Phage Against the Machine toward the middle slash end of season three. And I felt like when we saw him in season three, he seemed like a very powerful figure, kind of high above everything and could manipulate things very easily in the real world, even if he didn't exist in the real world. And that's just not the impression that I got when we met Rainer. Right. Yeah, I totally agree. In fact, the, the, one of the first thoughts I had when you think about the whole how could people think Rainer is the Wanderer is is that we learn, obviously, from the curse that Trick put on Rainer that he was uh, unwritten from history. So anything associated with Rainer was unwritten from history, all of his deeds, anything associated with his memory would have been unwritten. So then how could anyone know who the Wanderer was if the Wanderer and Rainer were the same person? So that right there sparks a big question, um, because obviously you mentioned, you know, the, the landlady who filled out the prescription in a Phage Against the Machine recognized the card. Yeah. Recognized the card. They knew they knew who that was. They recognized it. Uh, and they had fear when they saw it. Acacia was scared. Uh, the Kitsune girls <laughs> were scared of the Wanderer. They referred to him as Voldemort evil and oldest time. Uh, then into season four, where if anyone's going to say, well, they've changed their mind at the direction they want to go, well, in season four, episode five, you have Vex uh, when Bo calls him out and says, essentially, why are why did you help? You know, the, why what do you have to do with the Wanderer and me becoming dark? And he was he knew exactly who the Wanderer was, but he referred to the Wanderer as a boogeyman, as uh, you know, sent to you know, told to little little children to keep them in line. So so he was he's always been this evil, horrible figure that everyone. People, power, powerful Faye, know about. Because Tamsin feared the Wanderer. You know, she says in in season four, she calls him like an you know evil incarnate, basically when she when she meets him and he hires her. 
Right, right. So, so she is, uh, and, and so these are powerful fae. I, I mean, there's a series that these are not weak individuals who all fear this being. I'm curious, and this is a total aside and is going nowhere, but I'm curious as how the kitsunes, because they don't strike me as being all that smart. Uh, where would they have this wisdom and knowledge about who, who hired Tamsin? And but you know, is this some sort of deep knowledge? If Tri did Trick know who the Wanderer was? Did, I mean, and I mean the real Wanderer. Does he have a real knowledge of it, or is that something he has also removed from his own memories? You know, what, how many beings, how many powerful Fae know about the Wanderer? But the point is, is that that he should not be known at all. Right, because you also have this sense of he's been off of the the train doing things. You know, he's supposed to have been banned to this other dimension curse to wander for the rest of his days. I think that's maybe a reason why people thought, okay, they're going this direction with the wander. It's going to be this guy, because I believe Trick does use the word wander in regards to Rainer. And yet we get the sense that he's been, you know, bipping and bopping all over the place, hiring Tamsin and doing this and doing that. As Regarding the Kitsune, I, I, to me, the the impression I get is that there's sort of supposed to be a facade of shallowness to them. Yeah. But, I mean, they talk about how one of them has been in med school for however many years. I mean, it's not that they're stupid. It's that there's the facade of shallowness. It's sort of, it's a thing. At least that's my my take on it. And then the other thing was, I think in season four especially, there's sort of this recurring thing of... I guess what the impression is of people and what the reality is like there's there's the story and then there's the reality. Right and and I think it is all wrapped up in in what I think is a long con, uh, a grand illusion. I think if we look at uh Waves, the episode where Bo supposedly is relieving all of her memories from the train, I truly believe that everything she thinks happens did not happen. I think that is a long a big lie set to make Bo do a long series of things. Think of how she reacted thereafter. She rejected the advice and counsel of her friends and loved ones. She walked away from, from everyone. She abandoned them to live in this little fantasy world. Let, let's be honest, Bo is the queen of denial on her best days. Uh, but this is a whole nother level. I mean, she went after and brutally massacred the, the Una men's. And I'm thinking about Bo. That just isn't her. So, I mean, I mean, she's, she's a hero. She's a fighter, but we've never seen her do that before. But what did, what, what all the things that he made her do or, or she did as a result of it? She bond, she did that bonding ceremony thinking it was like a marriage in order to save his life. She, she did things she never would have done because she believed he was somebody that her memories painted him to be. But even from that, there are gaping holes of inconsistencies. From season four alone, uh, with Rainer on the train, the memories that she have, has of her time on the train clash with other memories that we saw uh, of what her time was from the same season. Okay, so what I was trying to get at earlier with the comment about things not seeming like they were presented, <laughs> awkwardly phrased, I apologize, the the similarity that I was thinking of, because you were talking about, you know, how they were talking about the Wanderer as sort of a boogeyman type figure. That made me think of the stories about Krampus, right? Because there was the whole in um, Groundhog Fae, that episode, 
there was sort of this thing where they were talking about the stories they hear about Krampus as a kid, right? And he was all this, you know, sort of laughable figure, basically. And then stuff gets real. And so, again, in, in my mind, this sort of connects back to this whole thing about how there are stories they tell about the Wanderer and how it's all terrifying. And then, of course, we meet who we assume is the Wanderer, who they basically tell us is the Wanderer. And it's not like what we were led to believe the entire time. And I, and I think that was fully intentional because and I don't know if you want me to go off on this tangent right now, but I, I think that in order for things to go as they did, Bo and everyone around her and us by extension had to believe the illusion as to who Rainer was pretending to be. Even when Lauren pulled up that prophecy, that very dire prophecy about how uh, Rainer was a demon, a demon beast that would be betrayed the Fae after a thousand years, I think all of that is still true. I don't think any of it is a, a, a lie. And but what did Rainer do? He laughed it off. Oh, you know how his you know, funny thing is, you know, all the things you hear about your father. Oh, I'm sure it's not true. Just look what they say about me. Ha ha. I think that's all intentional. But that is my kind of overriding thought process when I'm watching this season. I think Stephanie warned me not to fall for this 100 percent. But my first thought is now don't necessarily believe the first line, the first answer, the quick response like when Bo uh, set off the malicious fade detector. And she said, oh, I did it, you know, I set it off again, Kenzie. And she, Kenzie's like, oh, I must have set it up wrong. Well, that's the easy, obvious response. And, well, oh, you know, Kenzie, she probably set it up wrong. Well, what if she didn't? So I'm now looking back at the entire season, and I'm looking at these various scenarios where we have that first obvious answer that's given and discarded as being, oh, well, that must be the case. So Bo is in that same situation. She now has the most obvious answer that she is accepting and latching onto. And we, by extension, are latching onto it. Well, Bo sees, you know, look how the season ended. She's giving this smarmy monologue at the graveside of Kenzie and talking about how heroic Rainer was and he's buried with his brethren. And maybe we were wrong after all because Bo sees him as being a good guy, so he can't possibly be a bad guy, you know. But I think all of that is intentional in order to set up for what happened to Kenzie and what will happen in the future. It's just a guess on my part. Because we see we see in waves, I think this is where we get kind of and I believe even Emily Andrus in the her commentary of that episode phrased it as we're going to see, or maybe it was I think actually her commentary of Destiny's Child, that next episode we're going to see Bo's perspective of what happened on the train. And so I think we do maybe have a hint that what we see, the flashbacks we see in waves might not necessarily be a hundred percent true. You know, we've, we've, we noted in when we uh, discussed that episode that the story that she relates bears a lot of similarity to Beauty and the Beast. Well, what if that was like a blueprint that they used to create those false sort of memories in her mind? Because it's a very like lovey dovey fairy tale type story that we see in waves. But the flashbacks that we see, well, not, not even flashbacks, when we first see her on the train in Sleeping Beauty School, it's like a very fearful environment. The handmaiden comes into her room and is just like, shh, you'll wake him. You know, who's, who's he? He's like, I don't think I can say. And she clearly seems very afraid of whomever this he is. And then in, in the flashbacks we see in Of All the Gin Joints, 
it really seems like Bo is trying to be talked into or has even been like forced into something she doesn't want to do. You know, we have this question of maybe marriage. She really seems to be wearing a wedding dress or what could be a wedding dress um, on the train. And then we see her with this crown that she has her name printed on it and she pushes aside. And then when she sees like the handprint on her in the mirror, she's like, oh, no, I can't do this. So, you know, that's a very different story we're seeing in those glimpses of the train than what we see in Waves. And those memories have have no place in the happy scenario that we saw in, in uh, Waves. They just don't fit because, the, it, you know, Bo knew when she saw the handprint in her memory, she knew what it meant and was scared of it. She's, oh, no, I can't do this. Please, I can't do this. That means she understood the handprint's true meaning. Uh, so that bow understood it, and that bow understood that what the crown meant, and she angrily shoved it away. She understood it. Where does that fit in the wave scenario? So if we look at the the entire episode of Waves and dissect it, if you think about it, it truly is kind of like catnip for her. Can you imagine? I mean, what does Bo love more than being a hero to a worthy cause? And what worthier cause is there than to help someone who had been taken down by a powerful elite in the name of trying to save innocent young, innocent people from, from a tyrannical king that just happened to have been her grandfather? And, and that injustice was done, and she could serve a role and save this man from this great injustice. How is that not catnip for Bo? Then you have, then you have the butterfly. In, in the dome, which, wow, automatically pulls her back to her dear, sweet memories when she was a child in the church and the butterfly and she couldn't save it. But this time, this time she touched the butterfly and it lived. All of this is, is just, it's a fantasy. But it was all necessary for Bo to believe all of this because that set her up to be and do what she was thereafter. I think her real memories were awful. I think what really happened to her is kind of like what the uh, oracle, Cassie, told her. In, oh, I'm totally going to pronounce it wrong. Le Fay. Le Fay Epoque. Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, yeah, thank you. <laughs> uh, she said her, her mind was like a black hole. I mean, I think what really happened to her was awful. And uh, we, we can expect that going back to even those who wander. Tamsin was terrified. She defied her master, if you will. And she's warning Bo, and she's like, you have no idea. I have cursed us both. He is going to come after us. And then the next set of scenes, which I thought was extremely fascinating, if you look at the parallels between the two, is the radio, in both of their situations, the radio comes on and plays the Wanderer. And then, again, you have that interaction, as you were mentioning, the interaction, interaction between wherever he is and the realm of, uh, of our realm, Earth's realm, if you will. You know, he has the power to insert himself and to interact and do things. I didn't see any of this with Rainer. I didn't see any of that kind of power. He, even what, what we saw seemed more hapless and unaware as to what was going on. But again, I, I think that was all intentional. Bo needed to see that he, to see him as being this uh, heroic figure who had been wronged and that they were going to work together to bring the Fae to a time of peace and happiness and, and sunshine and unicorns. So I, I think that that's what she believed in her heart and that was what she was doing. So her intentions were, were good, but it's all based on what I think was a pure illusion that she has allowed herself to believe. And everyone else believes it by extension. How many people call him the wanderer to his face? 
I, I was trying to look back for that, and I only saw one instance so far, and that was Bo on the train in Waze. She refers to him as the Wanderer, and he says, uh, don't call me that, or something like that. Don't call me that. No one calls me that. Call me Rainer, or whatever it was, however that exchange fully went. Well, I think then that was the point where we all sucked, got sucked into that line that this truly was the Wanderer. Trick kept referring to him as the Wanderer. So we're all being led onto this journey of associating Rainer as the Wanderer. So, so what do you think, Chris, as far as the flashbacks on waves are concerned and, and the other flashbacks that we see? I just don't know anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there are inconsistencies. There are. And they have to be deliberate by this point, right? I mean, they're too specifically different from other things that we've been told. So I don't know. I, I guess I just I have a lot of questions about what's actually going on here, which I is the intent as far as I'm concerned. You know what I mean? I, I think really we're all supposed so. to be <laughs> wondering what the deal is here. And, you know, I'm not sure one way or the other if Rainer is actually the nefarious person that we're all supposed to think he is or or you know what i mean there there have been too many questions brought up at this point that i'm not sure which side rainer is actually on if he's the bad guy or if he's a patsy of the bad guy yeah i am leaning heavily towards the he is complicit uh, even though Trick even tells Vex, oh, Rainer's not evil, he's just defiant. So we have these di different things trying to tell us how good Rainer is. But remember from Destiny's Child, Rainer had the crown sitting right next to him on the train. So he is aware of that. Yeah, that is a big missing piece of the puzzle because, you know, we saw that crown in Of All the Gin Joints. We see that he has it again in Destiny's Child, but then we don't see it ever again. And and he seems like kind of surprised when when Rosette is all, oh, you have to have a hand fasting in order to break this other curse. It's like, well, if he had that crown at the ready, it seemed like there was an implied he wanted to marry Bo in there somewhere. Well, again, we don't know. I don't know the purpose of. I, mean, I got really confused when they talked about uh, when Tams was like, "No, you're the queen. The queen. Oh, the I queen. know. Not. <laughs> oh, wow, that's clear. Thanks for that, Tams. And that clears everything up. She's the queen. Are you sure? <laughs> yeah. Did, no, not just the. Queen. Not just the queen. The queen. The queen bee. Okay, that clears nothing up. But thank you. And so, so yeah. But yeah, the crown thing really threw me. And I don't know. I just, I just think that. Uh, okay, here's another thing that that leads me to believe that uh, Rainer is not necessarily on the side of good. At the Horse Temple, and I really don't know what else to call it, I just, the Horse Temple, one of the, one of the people there, one of the ladies there, kind of was, and he was I thought she was looking at him, but I'm, I knew you need to go back and confirm this, and feel free to correct me, but basically talking about betraying the Fae. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she was looking at Rainer. The betrayer. I think she calls her the betrayer of all or something like that. And that ties into the the uh, passage that Lauren found. And again, it was you know, kind of sloughed off. Oh, it's just crazy words from a crazy horse lady. But I'm like, you know what? I'm thinking that there's something there. I think, I guess my fan theory of, the, of this is essentially that he might not have been evil once upon a time. 
but having spent a thousand years in exile, that uh, he had the opportunity to be involved in something that got back at the man who cursed him, and in the most hurtful ways possible. And I think it's possible that he sold out and he, you know, went ahead and and you know gave himself over to that hatred. So so regardless of all the things that he says to trick about oh we need to set aside this for the good of all and this and that I, I, I don't know I just I don't see I don't know maybe I'm hoping too much that they'll make sense of that whole thing because otherwise he's an entirely pointless character uh, which may well, in fact <laughs> well let me ask you this though does one need to be cognizant of the fact that they're betraying people for them to be considered a betrayer well, it's not a willful betrayal then I mean if he's not willful he obviously he had that handprint on him too. Uh, that was the other thing that threw me is because he, he on the one hand he's saying to Bo, uh, I don't have the power over memories. Now he said that in waves, so for all we know that's part of the illusion. But somehow he was able to you know put the handprint on her chest and put his her hand on his chest, and they they glowed. Okay, so even from the waves memories, uh, we saw it again. They uh, while, while sitting on the bed they glowed. By the way, speaking of that one thing. I, and I, I hope, Lost Girl, please do not prove me wrong on this. I will never, never, never believe that Bo will sit there and have sexy times on the train while her best friend is suffering. I just don't buy it for a second. I don't buy it. I, she would have gone back because she would have known Kenzie would have needed her. She knew things were falling apart in Feyranto. She knew things were falling apart. So what on earth would possess her to, to stay there of her own free will? It is very fuzzy, like how much she knew, because it seemed like she did have the sense of, oh, time moves really differently right here than there. So maybe she didn't realize she was there for so long. But at the same time, like they brought in an entertainer, you know, <laughs> at some point because the singer comes. That doesn't even make sense. OK, so, yeah, sure. They fit that into the, the waves memories that they had an entertainer. But none of that makes just any sense whatsoever. So. Uh, remember the handmaiden in uh, when Waves tells Bo, you can't jump off the train while it's in motion or you'll disintegrate. Well, in episode two, she jumped off the train while it was in motion and did not disintegrate. But she would have had she not healed herself by chi-sucking the, um, the, help me out, Stephanie. The jumpy. Yes, thank you, the jumpy. Yeah, the jumpy healed her of her illness, her transcendental sickness. My point is, is that she was told she would disintegrate as she jumped off the train. And she eventually would have. That was what Bo says. I thought that the curse, uh, that part of the curse was, is that it, she would go mad from not having uh, done it the right way. It would have, um, it would have overwhelmed her by not having an elemental fix her. The term was disintegrate. I don't think that that was what was happening to her when she was in with, with the jumbie. She was, that was a separate condition. Well, there is also the the whole aspect of she might not being the handmaiden might not be the most reliable source because she might have been told at that just to keep her on the train, you know what I mean, or to to keep other people on the train. If I'm right on this, then then the question then is, Bo had that in her waves memory. It was told to her so that she would justify in her mind, well, why didn't I just jump off the train? Well, if she's told in her memories or if in her in these planted memories that was a given reason, Bo would simply accept that and not challenge it, even though she jumped off the train. That's how I was looking at it, because Bo Bo tends to live in denial. Bo, Bo ignores that which is uncomfortable or something that alters what she wishes to believe were true. 
this is a common thread for her over the, over the entire series. So it didn't it didn't strike me at all as odd that she simply didn't you know bother to wonder about those memories from of all the gin joints, which were a direct contrast. They were scary. They were angry. She didn't bother to think, well, how did those fit into you know what I remember you know from waves. She didn't think that. Here's another thing though. Wouldn't the very first thing you do if you're Bo and you've got Rainer, wouldn't you drag Rainer over to Tamsin and say, is this the guy who hired you? Because Tamsin said her boss was pure evil, that he was uh, you know, the most horrible thing ever, truly, truly, truly scary. Wouldn't the first thing you do is, is confirm the guy that you're devoting all your time and energy on now? Uh, romantically or not, she's definitely invested herself in, in his mission. And she did not. We learn in uh, End of the Line, you know, what was it, the picture, the book opens up in front of them, uh, magically opens up and turns to the page, and there Rainer is automatically drawn, and Tams is like, oh, who's the hot guy? And she's like, isn't that your boss? And it struck me as, why on earth did, did Bo not confirm this before, given the horrible portrait Tams and painted of her boss? Wouldn't you want to well, know? I think, though, it was, it was portrayed that Bo was... At that point, she wasn't being will. She wasn't willing to listen to other people's opinions on the matter, and like she didn't have a reason to think, "Oh, I need to confirm his identity," because she thought, "Oh no, I really know him. He's this nice man. Everybody's got it wrong." That is so typical of Bo on many levels. Is that she she puts her own, but but I mean, Tamsin knew this guy from how for whatever lifetime it was ago. We have obviously no real time frame as to when she was hired. Only that it was a previous life cycle many, many centuries ago, it looked like. Given how Tamsin was, you know, weeping openly and saying, I, I'm, I am so regretful that I brought this monster into your life, that it was my fault that I did this, the very first thing I would have done would, would be to confirm that this is not the person. But Bo just assumed it was the person and that Tamsin was wrong. Well, it's Bo. That, I mean, like, seriously, like you said, that's, that's Bo. Like, I, that was totally, I think, in character for her. In a lot of ways, but I think that that's uh, that's what a lot of this rests on is is that we, the audience and the people around her, are latched onto what she believes is true. So even up to and including the finale, Bo sees him as being a good guy who was wronged and who died heroically. Whereas I think that he was not a good guy. I mean, look at uh, he knew he was going to die. On some levels, I think he was prepared for it. And, I mean, he died fighting Massimo. I forgot his name for a second there. Uh, died fighting Massimo in a fight. So one would think he would have known that. I, the impression I got was that he did know that was going to happen and he sacrificed himself. Yeah, that was my impression, too, was that he knew that that was the best the best thing to do. Because, you know, when, when, when Massimo killed him, he got his power of foresight and then he left. Like, he couldn't take it anymore, so he left the room. So if, if Rainer knew that that would keep Bo safe, I could see why, even if he knew he was going to die, he would let it happen. I'm trying to, I guess I'm trying to give more reasons for Rainer's existence, and I'm struggling because I, uh, the, the only thing I can figure is, going back to those who wander, is when uh, Tamsin and Bo are about to fight, Bo's like, well, where, where are you going to take me wherever he wants you? And the assumption was that Bo was going to be sent to her father. 
And uh, of course, with the card floating to the ground, we get that same assumption. Oh, Bo is now with her father. Even the Lost Girl, Lost Girl store had that, uh, you know, the card, you know, the family reunion thing. Mm-hmm. They have since changed the wording on that. Thank you. Uh, but I think that that was a suggestion then. Uh, unless they've simply they simply changed their plans midstream, which is entirely possible too, of course. I think that suggests then that she is simply in her father's plan. She she is where he wanted her to go, and so he sent her away. Hmm. That's an interesting. That's an interesting theory. What do you think, Chris? I don't know. I think we've actually talked about this before during the season. It seems like I or one of us had mentioned something before about. Yeah, this being part of the Pyrrhus's plan, probably, right? Yeah, we know that, uh, and we know specific time frames too. We know that Bo was gone a month. Uh, we know weird things like that because we know that Dyson, for whatever reason, and I think that this this stood out because it was just so weird that he set his alarm to go daily to the crash site. That doesn't really make any sense to me. Why? What What purpose does that serve? Now, this is actually an open question because I can come up with no other reason than for the show in a kind of ham-fisted way to say Tamsin was not present during this time. Why did he set, set his alarm to go to the, the crash yeah, site? They made a point of him setting an alarm to go to the crash site every single day at the same time every day. And we know that he did that for 30 days because Kenzie had said something about you've been going every day at the same time for a month. Right. Well, why? Why was he going to the crash site every day at the same time for a, for a month? Because he was checking to see if Tamsin had been reborn yet. Or he was just trying to find her, I think, because she just disappeared, right? Mm-hmm. It's like an oddly specific thing. I mean, who? It's not, it's not that he just checked and looked for her. And, I mean, we don't have any, we know very little about, I guess, the Valkyrie life process, if you will. We know that they're reborn. We don't know when they're reborn. It just seemed odd to me that... He went there, and we know it took a month. He went there every single day, and she was not there. The whole point is, is that it just seemed odd, an oddly specific reference. I mean, who sets their alarm to go to the crash site every day? We don't know that there's a delay between death and rebirth. I mean, I, I know fans have speculated that that's a possibility, that after the death, it, it takes a spirit, you know, period of time, and then they come back. Um, but my theory had been, looking back at those who wander, uh, as to the parallels as to what happened to Bo and Tamsin, was is that what Tamsin said at that Taft was coming true, that the Wanderer had got them. He used the music to signal that he found them. He then smoked them away. And so uh, the truck fills with smoke when, when Tamsin runs into the facade and uh, is, I think, smoked away where Dyson is left in in the truck and, of course, turns into his wolf, and that's how, what saved him, and she's nowhere to be found. And uh, Bo is smoked away to a different place. So I think that, that was they were both smoked away to different places. And I think that's that's I feel like that's a really reasonable idea. This fact, this idea that maybe, you know, because I think we maybe be encouraged to think, well, she died and then was reborn, and we don't exactly know what that process looks like. But the idea that she was actually captured by the wanderer and taken somewhere and then you know killed, and that's why she was reborn was that the the wanderer killed her or something like that. And we had thought that that's what had happened at the end of season three right. was that she had been taken by the wanderer. Yeah. And, and I think I truly think that's still the case. I mean, look at the other oddly specific time frame from uh, what was it? Let the dark times roll. No, it wasn't. It was the one before that. It was the turn to stone, where 
where Tamsin's a, girl, a teenage girl, and uh, either Bill or Kenzie makes a comment. She's like, hey, I'm almost two weeks old now. And then, you know, shortly that later that day, we see her as a full-grown adult body. So we know she goes from very small to grown-up size in a little under two weeks. But she was gone a month. So that right there presents a bit of a time issue. Uh, that also, I mean, it suggests to me obliquely that what if she, what if she actually died while she was in captivity, which is kind of what I think you were suggesting. Yeah. Remember there, there was that anvil when when Aoife was talking. If your father were here, he'd kill them all and resurrect them and kill them again. And that look in Tamsin's face, that kind of recognition. Maybe that's what was going on. Is that she knew that this is what would happen to her if she betrayed her boss and. It, terrified her, which would terrify anyone else, but being a Valkyrie, she'd be reborn anyway. So, you know, obviously he has no, no problem with using that power over her, and especially as a method of punishment. And I'm saying all this, these are various inconsistencies as to what we think has happened versus what I think may have happened, uh, in that if Waves was a lie, then we really don't know what happened to Bo, and we can suspect that it was pretty dark. It was very scary, and she was probably forced into doing things that Bo would not have wanted to do otherwise unless she were coerced into doing so, if you think about that. So I think another element of, of all of the hints that we were getting about the Wanderer that didn't really pan out the way that people were expecting was there were so many references to the fact that the Wanderer, Bo's father, somebody was going to be Odin, that there was going to have, we were going to have an appearance of Odin at some point. You know, we have the name, the Wanderer, which is, is a name that Odin's called in Norse mythology, either the Wanderer or he who wanders. We had the appearance of Hugin and Munin, the crows, in Destiny's Child. These are the two crows that were supposed to sit on old Odin's shoulders and go out into the world and gather information to bring back to him every day. Hugin even describes the wanderer or his boss, I think he says his boss is my father. He, you know, he, he calls him he who wanders and calls him a father of many. And these are phrases again that harken back to Odin. We also have Tamsin being one of his, you know, doing work for him as well as Acacia. I think actually, have they ever established that Acacia is a Valkyrie? I'm trying to remember, but Tamsin definitely is a Valkyrie and she, you know, the Valkyries were sort of the foot soldiers of, of Odin in many ways. So we had all of these things pointing to the idea that the Wanderer, Odin, somewhat how would come into play, and he hasn't yet. Yes, that is a really good point. And uh, you go back to when um, Hugin and Minden were talking and how Bo was quoting the, the, the poem that he was saying or the lines that he was saying, she was familiar with them. And it made her uncomfortable that she was familiar with them because as he would start the phrase, she would finish the phrase. And but I, I, again, I go back to that episode. I think that everything they told her was a lie. I don't believe anything they said to her directly. I think they're a part of it because when they're talking amongst themselves, they refer to their master as decrepit. Rainer is a lot of things, but decrepit isn't one of them. So that led me to wonder if, in fact, their true boss was something other than what we think. I think so, too. There's also this moment when they're talking where Hugin refers to his boss as my father, and then all the crows laugh at him, and right. he corrects himself. 
Right. And it, it, that that moment isn't really explained in the context of the episode. So it feels like it's hinting at something that we never really got an answer to. Right. But then again, it, so all of it goes back to, though, the, the lie of Waves, the Waves' memories. Uh, because if Bo didn't experience what she thinks she experienced, what did she experience, and all of the things that spring from it, the jar of smoke, did she send it to herself? She, I mean, we say it's her handwriting. Bo recognized her handwriting, but that doesn't mean anything. These are fae. Uh, you know, who knows what really happened? We don't necessarily know why Bo turned to the dark. But I do not believe for a second that Bo would say, oh, I'm going to do this because it's the one thing I would search high and low to find out who made me dark. Well, dear, then you'd be stuck being dark. Uh, you don't unalign. You are stuck. So I don't believe that she would have done that for, for the reasons that she gave. I do think she went dark for much darker reasons. I think maybe it was to save lives or something. I mean, she, it would be sacrificial. It would be something where she was giving of herself. I don't believe the they gave us. I just don't believe that Bo is that. I mean, she's, she can be naive, but she wouldn't. I don't see that she would do that. I, maybe I'm wrong, but what do y'all think? No, I I think that that's something that never really quite felt right to me. What do you think, Chris? Oh, I think we established that that seemed odd. Like it's not beyond the realm of possibility, but it does. It fell short. I think. For a lot of us, right? For one guy that she'd give up being in the unaligned. I, I mean, I just does. I don't buy it. I don't buy it. And, th- and that's the thing, though. It's one of the it's one of a, a long line of things that happens where we're given that first line, that first easy explanation. And we go, oh, that must be the case then. And we simply accept it. But once you look at the entire season in its entirety and you look at all of these moments that you've accepted the first ex- uh, the first excuse, it doesn't make sense after that point. Uh, once you start looking back and, and kind of rewinding the season and looking at these moments where you're given these thoughts, uh, remember how, like I said, with uh, Bo setting off the malicious fade detector. Well, what if that wasn't because Kenzie set off or set it up wrong? What if there's something that happened to Bo while she was on the train? What if something was altering her, her father's influence on her? You know what I mean? So you start to start unraveling that first line and ignoring it and setting it aside temporarily and considering alternate scenarios and situations, it gets a little bit more interesting. Uh, Lauren finding that prophecy I keep mentioning, but I just think that's so relevant because both sloughed it off and so did Rainer. Oh, ha ha, uh, no big deal. But, you know, we accept it because Bo accept it, but I don't accept it anymore. I think Lauren was on to something. I think that, that that prophecy is is probably still true. So and 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 kind of he did. I mean with what he did with, with Bo, they were betraying the Fae. They did open the gate of hell. They were unleashing Armageddon on Earth. Uh so I don't know if that was an intentional thing on his part, but then again we go back to that crown. What is and is not intentional? How much does he know? Is he in on this as a co-conspirator? So I guess we've gotten to the point where I kind of am wondering how many people do we think are at play here? Because we, we've seen Rainer. We've had a hint of the Pyrrhus. And then we have this concept of the Wanderer, which no, I feel like most people aren't particularly satisfied with the idea that Rainer is the Wanderer. Because I keep getting this question, like, who's really the Wanderer? I'm like, well, I think the show is trying to, at this point, point to Rainer. But I think there's a lot of questions as to whether that's actually the case. 
I, I consider the Wanderer as Bo's father, as Tamsin understands it. That's uh, that's how I'm looking at it. I'm looking at through the scope of looking at both of these seasons and all the things that we know about the Wanderer apart from Rainer. And everything points to that being as ancient as time, terrifying, frankly, Odin. Uh, the only thing that falls out of step with that is this whole thing about the Pyrapis. But at the same time, now I'm not good in my mythology, so feel free to interrupt me and tell me if there's connections between the Pyrapis and Odin or, or a winged horse. Uh, no. That- <laughs> the Pyrapis, this concept, our friend Elizabeth, who works in the library and has access to mythology databases, this does not seem to be a thing that actually exists in mythology. There were horses that were supposed to be sort of in the hell realm, but they had individual names. They didn't have like a collective name of the Pyrapis or what, something like that. But I will say that Odin is connected to horses. I, I, I'm getting fuzzy on the details. I don't think he could turn into a horse, but maybe he could. And he, or at the very least, he used a horse maybe to roam across, you know, the lands. So there is a connection between Odin and horses. I should say that. Well, well, the idea being is is that uh, if if anyone's familiar with Xena, and I'm sure a lot of the audience is, uh, there's a character that made made its way into uh, several episodes called the Green Dragon. Well, he wasn't literally a dragon. That was merely the symbol he used to identify himself. Yet he was called the Green Dragon. His clothing had a green dragon on it. His soldiers all had bore the same mark. So it's entirely possible that there is a creature called the Pyrapis, and that the creature is one of uh, of the Wanderer's you know, underlings or prime, the thing he's identified with, but that he himself is not. I mean, remember, the Fae get things wrong all the time. I mean, uh, look at the, the so-called prophecy and how, how Kenzie said something I think was especially prescient, is stop taking things so literally. Uh, the Fae speak in, in riddles and, uh, and, and uh, you know, flowery rhetoric, but stop taking it so literally. So maybe that's also relevant here, that he's not literally a horse, that, he is, that, that that's maybe a symbol of his power or what's associated with him that has been, has been created as an illusion to you know, engender more fear. Well, and the Fae are apparently also full of shifters. Right. And I mean, I keep, I've cited this before, but there's the Garuda who could turn into like a giant firebird thing. So it's not beyond the realm of possibility. We don't know necessarily what type of fae is beyond what, what brief descriptions we got from Eva. And again, if it truly is Odin, that doesn't necessarily mesh with the shapeshifter. But he also, uh, as old as time, well, didn't Trick say something similar about himself? That he was the uh, f- uh, first son of, of the earth or something to that effect. So he, it, it's kind of painting a picture of this going way, way further back than even we had initially considered. But I don't know. I just I don't know. That, I, don't, I just don't think he's a physical, actual real horse. I don't think like, I mean, obviously we have Dyson who shifts into a wolf. He has his wolf. He can make it come out when he needs to. But I suspect that he's not a shifter that it is either a symbol of his power or he has that in his charge and he's recognized and associated with it so strongly that he's referred to it as that. Do you think it's necessarily a literal interpretation? You know, I'm not sure. I I feel like he might be a shifter just because we do have like a picture that trick shows us of a horse drawing energy from people. But it's also very possible that it's just a symbol as well. I, I think either way, he does have a human form. I don't think he's just a horse. (laughs) <laughs> right. I, well, no, I, I, gosh, no, I don't think that either. I, well, I mean, that goes back to the whole 
which I get really fuzzy on is the whole connection. How did Aoife end up with him in the first place? And that does, that's a whole other conversation though. But yeah, I mean, I just, I don't know. I just don't see it. I, I think he is a very powerful Fae. We don't know how old, except that he's as old as time. Uh, we don't know what type of Fae he is, but I don't know. I just don't suspect he's a shifter. I mean, I could pre-prove him wrong on this, but uh, that's not, a, that's not my first instinct. Well, going back to what I was talking about, sort of the, the three, kind of entities that we've heard about at least with Rainer, the Wanderer, Pirapus. I, I'm curious, how many do we think there's actually at play who have like a physical form? Obviously, the Wanderer right now sounds more like a title than anything. But do we think that the Wanderer is a title that's maybe shared by two different entities? We've mentioned there's a lot of inconsistencies between what we know about Rainer if nothing else, you know, he seemed to have been trapped on a train for centuries. How could he have been off hiring Tamsin and what have you? So do we think it's like a title shared by two people? Do we think there's three separate people? Is there Rainer, the Pyrrhus, and the Wanderer? Because now it's kind of, I think people are wondering, oh, is Pyrrhus the real Wanderer? Or is there a third entity? And I'm just going to say, you know, maybe there is an Odin. Odin, like that's Odin, is the Wanderer, and he's separate from Pyrrhus. Well, yeah, then, then it goes back to, yeah, like you said, Rainer, as as the Wanderer, he's referred to the Wanderer. He uses the card when he was at the, uh, with the Una Mens, and he threw the card at the Una Mens, and they, and, and they reflected it right back. And that's associated with him. And that's the same card that, uh, obviously, that we saw throughout last season and this season. So I think that was to help tie the notion as Rainer as the Wanderer. But I, I, I think that he is a wanderer that serves the wanderer. And maybe he is using the card as that identification to kind of link him in as being a part of, of that plan. But I don't, you know, I think that they are, in fact, separate entities. Now, whether or not the Pyrrhus is, like I said, maybe it's just another title. But I think that you're right. I do think that, I, I mean, I remember the long discussions about about Odin. I do think that he that, that is involved in here somewhere. Surely the Wanderer, though, as as Bo's father, is probably the most proper thing that we know so far. But it's been, it's been polluted a little bit because now everyone thinks, oh, maybe Rainer is the Wanderer. I don't think so. I think that, there, that he is a Wanderer. And I think that, that because of his wandering on the train and his wandering uh, without any place in history for so long makes him the proper wanderer, but it, but it doesn't fit. If you look at anything about him and his story, it doesn't track with anything we know about him at all, uh, anything about the wanderer at all. I mean, I mean, I mean a list of all the times the wanderer was referenced and the fear associated with it, and I don't see any of that with Rainer. I don't see any of those qualities. Uh, so supposedly, remember, in the, uh, if we if we associate the Wanderer as Bo's father, think of Ad- Adventures in Fabie City, where Bo is linked to those witches, and uh, all of a sudden, uh, Bo's father's voice uh, booms from one of the women, <laughs> things like that. And he, I think he disintegrates her, like burns her from the inside out or something. So, a lot of power there. Right, he burns them up, and now he's obviously involved because you saw the, the again the carousel and the Wanderer song that played, things that signal his his involvement many times. So he clearly has power and influence over this plane. I think he also injected himself into Bo's dawning. I think that he wanted her to believe him as a uh, good figure, so she had that so-called memory of a loving father holding her. I think that's to help skew her opinion of him so she wouldn't 
that she would think of him differently. But I think he has the power to influence planes other than the one he's in. Now, given that what we know of in the at the bottom part of uh, season four, though, you know, she's hearing all these things that he's trapped. He's in, in this place and that place, and that's when the when Rainer went on about, well, don't believe everything the books say, because look at what they say about me. So, but again, we slough that off, and we consider the possibility he really is as dark as as we assume he is all along, and that Rainer was an intentional, you know, rope-a-dope. It was it was to 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 make us stop thinking about that forever and kind of go on to a different tangent to distract us from what was really happening. And the cues that we have that, that things really aren't as they seem is, you know, at the end of the final episode with Tamsin saying that Kenzie's gone and she, you know, she's heartbroken. Whereas Kenzie, she's, I've lost her, you know, or whatever she said, I, I, she's gone. I think that that is our very subtle clue that things are not as they seem. But then that ties in with all the other weird things that happened, where both thinks everything's fine, she's now going to go rescue Kenzie, they'll figure it out, it's all good. I think that it's going to come home that she was wrong, and she has to then own up to her arrogance and her assumptions that everything she thought uh, that she was doing for the right reasons, that in, in the end got her, her best friend killed. So I think there's there's also... When it comes to like who the wanderer could be and like passing the mantle on to Pyrrhus, there's also the question of, you know, Pyrrhus clearly was trapped somewhere because he needed Bo and Rainer to have a hand fasting so that he could, you know, cross the bridge. So how would he, if he were actually the wanderer and not Rainer, how would he also be able to like go and hire Ham- Tamsin, et cetera, et cetera? So I, me personally, I'm kind of leaning toward this. Is there actually a third person at play, which maybe sounds like even more complicated and people don't even want to go there. And that's okay with me, <laughs> but I'm just kind of curious, like, what do you two think as regards to how many people are at play here? Chris, what do, why don't we start with you? It's entirely too soon to say. I mean, right. with what the with the information we have, there's no way of knowing. But do you think there's a possibility that there's actually like three people? Do you think it's more likely that there's two people? Do you have any, like you personally, do you have any sort of leaning one way or the other? Y- you know me, right? I mean, I don't know. <laughs> it is too soon to say. It is literally too soon to say. There's, <sighs> I don't know. And- this is going back a bit, but the thing, too, about Bo sort of not necessarily believing the hype about Rainer, to me, part of that is also perhaps Bo identifying that, you know, the, the Fae are all talk, let's be honest, a lot of the time. They're all, you know, stories about how dangerous such and such is and whatever. And I mean, how many times have we heard things about Bo, you know? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, to me, in terms of Bo too easily believing the best of Rainer, it makes sense to me that Bo would perhaps believe what she's experienced or what she thinks she's experienced, because we don't know if there's been a whammy or not. But it makes more sense. It makes sense to me that Bo would perhaps more likely believe what she's seeing than what she's heard. After all, I mean, Trick was all talking about how they may have to put her down or whatever it was he said at the first episode because of the stuff that they believed about her. So I guess this is my issue, right? Mm -hmm. That 
there's there's the story and then there's the reality and i don't know i don't know where reality is in relation to what we've heard so far just to clarify you you don't have any strong or personal inclination as to like whether Rainer's actually the wanderer or maybe the wanderer name truly belongs to somebody else you're still really on the fence about that i am i'm very much okay. on the fence because it's one of those things too it there are too many variations, I think, is my issue, right? Because maybe Rainer is the Wanderer, but maybe there's somebody else acting under the guise of the Wanderer, since the Wanderer has so much hype around him, right? Mm-hmm. And maybe that's why the Wanderer has so much hype around him, because there's somebody who is using name recognition, essentially, to to get people to cooperate. You know what I mean? That was Bo's suggestion. Oh, Rainer had nothing to do with what happened to Acacia's hand. That was the crows. Uh, and so she basically attributed every bad deed or associated with uh, Rainer as being the work of the crows alone, as though they worked independently of Rainer. Well, because the crows told her that, you know, oh, we hate that guy. Right. So. And they could clearly leave the train. So it's. Right. We leave the train, and we know that uh, Acacia had said that uh, Tamsin's boss had people everywhere, and could do any. You know, these minions were all over the earth. You cannot hide from them, uh, and I think we're led to believe that the crows were a part of this. But uh, I don't know. I just I I don't see them as being. I mean, they just didn't come across to me as being. Do you really think that they? Let's say uh, the the crows attacked Acacia. You really don't think Acacia could have handled? The crows. I don't know. I, it just seems like I, I think we're being led to believe that every bad deed that happened or is associated with the wanderer is the work of the crows alone. And yes, they, they said they were betraying their boss and they were going to go around the world and find the riches uh, that they had stored up over time. Then they referred to their boss again. They referred to him as decrepit. And I, I, I think that that's the first window that maybe we're talking about two separate things here because that's not what we saw. Okay, so it sounds like for you, you don't think Rainer's the Wanderer, but you do think he was maybe complicit in a larger scheme in some way. So do you think that Pyrapus is the real Wanderer, or do you think there's maybe a separate entity entirely? Oh, gosh, that's that's when things get really, really kooky. I'll, I'll, I'll put my neck out there. I don't know. The more I think about it, the more confusing it is, unless I consider the possibility that the Pyrapus is, like I said, a symbol associated with or something within uh, the Wanderer's purview of power that is associated with him. It's just so hard to imagine why we have, unless he's like a a lieutenant that serves, and I I just don't know at this point. It's so hard to tell where they're going with that because didn't, okay, go back to, I think it was the final episode where where, uh, Kenzie's at... Evanese and they find that drawing. Didn't Kenzie think that that was supposed to be Bo or something like that? And yes. it was like this, uh, this horrific scene. Well, that's thrown out there too. And it, it is, I don't know. It feels like they're, they're throwing all these pieces, all these puzzle pieces out there. And several of them don't seem to fit at this point. And, and, I, and the only thing I ha- can imagine is, is that it's all intentional. We're not supposed to fully get it. We're just supposed to see that these puzzle pieces exist. And at some point in the future, they will make sense. And so I look at, for instance, these past season and a half, especially whether it wouldn't go into this, this specific arc. And I was wondering if, uh, you know, and maybe I'm wrong on this, but I was wondering if maybe they were told when they got season four that they would get four and five and that was it. 
that that would be it and that they should then plan thusly. And so they use season four as a lot of setup stuff, planting various seeds about the health score and uh, you know, maybe even Lauren's brother, or maybe that's a throwaway line, I have no idea. Planted all these seeds of various things having to do with Bo and what happened to her, and but none of it makes sense as just the first half of a season, if you look at it that way, and that everything will make sense in the second half of the season, in season five, essentially. So I'm kind of looking at this as a super long season where they were, were blocking season four to be, you know, laying place markers. And maybe the issue then is one of execution as opposed to uh, storytelling. Uh, maybe they have this grand scheme and it just kind of fell apart on the execution end of things, but that they, they still have this intent. I mean, they did these things for a reason. They have to, there has to have been a reason for us to have seen, you know, of all the gin joints, that Bo had those very divergent memories of what really happened to her. Why did we see that? What what purpose does that have unless to point to the to point us to the the as a clue that but what Bo will think in the future is not true and that we still don't necessarily know what happened to her the month she was gone. Yeah, I think there's there's a lot there to suggest that we don't have the whole story. And I'm kind of with you. I'm I'm thinking that there's more that we to reveal rather than the fact that they just messed up a, a story arc. I, I think it's just they haven't given us all the pieces yet. It's, at least that's what I'm hoping. What do you think, Chris? Do you think it's part of a longer reveal? Oh, that's been my position since the end of season four. Yeah, that's what I thought. That's what I thought. Mm-hmm. So there's been, like I mentioned, there's been some theories popping up from people on online, one of which is from HG Prime. I'm just going to call her that. That's what I see her often called on social media of various kinds. This is from her Tumblr blog, HGP on TV. And her speculation was that Rainer the Wanderer and Pyrapus are the same being, a chimera, two or three distinct beings in one body. At least that will be the Lost Girl version. The chimera of great mythology was a fire-breathing creature made up of many different animals. I think they could make Rainer slash the Wanderer one, except he's not fire-breathing, but chi-breathing, and can appear in multiple forms. Rainer, the wanderer with the face of pure evil and as the Pyrapus. So she's kind of taking a three-headed approach to it, but they're all actually the same person. I've mentioned before our a good friend of the podcast, Melanie Killingsworth, who's over at melsbells.wordpress.com. Her theory, pretty much I think starting with Waves, was that Rainer kind of had two sides of him. It was a super Cupid and Psyche type of situation where we had kind of the good version of Rainer and the bad version of Rainer. There's a very, very, very long, <laughs> they really get into a lot of, we didn't really talk about questions of, well, who's actually Bo's father, but they do in this article, Valksy and Mahler's fifth over on the Unaligned blog. They talk a lot about all of these issues, and they kind of come to the conclusion that there is three players as well, but more they had them more distinct with there being Rainer, the Pyrapus, and then Odin actually being Bo's father. So I will link to all of those theories in the show notes for this episode, and you can go take a look and see what you think. And since we're talking about multiple-headed mythological entities, mm -hmm. I have to bring up Janice, because there's Janice. I'm blanking on who Janice is. Uh, from Roman mythology, uh, Janice was a god who had two heads, you know, one head looked forward to the future and one looked back to the past. Gift of foresight. <laughs> I'm just saying. Yeah, because Lost Girl draws on mythology, there's lots of options, I think. 
Well, and that's part of my issue with the whole Odin argument is because we know of Ryan, who was a Loki, Mm -hmm. and we know of, was it Roman was his name? He was a Bacchus. So it's one of those things, to say that somebody is Odin, I question it. It's not impossible, of course, but it's Lost Girl, so who knows what they're going to do. Because they did do the Garuda, which is a a figure in Hindu mythology, but you're right, especially from like more... European mythologies, they've taken the attack of, oh, he's like one of many rather than the actual god that you hear of in mythology. But of course, wasn't the Garuda the last of a species they thought was extinct? That's true. Good point. Because he wasn't, he wasn't even a fae. He was something other of, than. Right. right. Good point, Chris. See? You're smart. Well, then, then look at the, with um, Destiny's Child. You have Levi and Erkala, which both came from different. Uh, different um, mythologies from different regions, yet they kind of merge them together into one, you know, entity on the show. So they kind of pick and pick and choose, and it might not necessarily be, as you say, you know, just landing on Odin. Even that, that there's so many things pointing to Odin right now. I mean, there's so many things going on that points to him, and then there are these weird uh, threads that kind of don't. So it's it's I I just feel like I'm trying to make sense of a picture where I don't have all the pieces yet. Well, and that's what I'm saying though is that because it is Lost Girl, it may or may not be what we think it is, or it may in some ways be part of what we think it is, but in a different way than we thought it would be. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, that was super. Too many possibilities yeah. is my big point this episode apparently. Well, I think that is all we're going to discuss today, though there's still lots and lots to talk about. Like I mentioned, we didn't even get into who's really Bo's father, since that title seems to have ping-ponged around quite a bit. But I wanted to thank Mary Beth for being our guest and for for talking about some of this stuff with us. I had a conversation with her about it on, on Twitter, and I was like, you're clearly very passionate about this. You should come on the show and talk about it. So thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. I sure enjoyed myself. We'd love to hear your theories about The Wanderer. What do you think? Is there two people? Is there three people? Is there more people? Is there no people? He's really, I don't know. He doesn't actually exist. That's not going to happen. We'd love to hear your ideas. Go and share those with us over in the comments for the show notes over at drinksofthedoll.com slash 71. You can also send us an email to feedback at drinksofthedoll.com or you can send us a voice message by clicking on the send voicemail tab on the right hand side of our website. I'm so glad you could join us for Drinks with the Doll. My name is Stephanie. And I'm the Wanderer. <laughs> we My name is Chris. Out. <laughs> That's why I, wouldn't con- why I wouldn't commit to an answer. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. Cheers. Cheers.